Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy's Reviews Show. This is the show where we take a closer look at an RPG product or a board game and we give you our thoughts and we let you know, is this something you should buy? And tonight we will be reviewing the latest game from Together Studios, the Adventure Zone Bureau of Balance board game, a two to five player cooperative storytelling game based on the hit McElroy Brother podcast. So, it's it's Tom, and I am joined tonight by Tiffany Horton. How's it going, Tiffany? It's going great. I am so excited about this. It's going to be pretty cool. Um, I think this is the you're not on the you don't have your you don't have your Southlands crew with you. All right, you're going rogue, flying solo. Here we go. Before we get rolling, though, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then also uh, the stranded in the Southlands. So we have our Stranded in the Southlands Fate of Midgard campaign, which is our fate game set in the Midgard universe by Kobold Press. And we are playing a fate hack designed by our GM, Porter. And we are just loving this system. And it's been super fun for us to explore this whole world. And then when this game came along, we decided this was like the blend of all the worlds because for me, my main uh, TTRPG experience has been listening to actual play because I was kind of, I wasn't a dyed-in-the-wool childhood nerd. I feel like I had it all under the surface and it didn't come out until high school and I didn't really have a group to play with. And then when actual play became like this medium that was coming up all over the place, I was listening to Adventure Zone, watching Dimension 20, uh, brought me to Dungeons and Daddies. And so my whole kind of exposure to um, to this space has been in this kind of create your own, take liberties, not super crunchy, not super by the book, and just kind of creating your own spin on the things you love. So this is it's funny because... so. Talking about this, the latest, the the Adventure Zone game, the Bureau of Balance. I know that you're an Adventure Zone fan, and I'm an Adventure Zone fan. Uh, so, and now we get to play in the Bureau of Balance world. So, Tiffany, now take us away. Give us what what's this? What is this game that we're going to be talking about? So the the fine folks at Together Studios have created this incredible. I, masterpiece. I keep wanting to say this is like a masterclass in game creation because they've taken all of the fun for someone who is more into the, you know, riff with it, create your own thing, don't get too bogged down by the crunch kind of player myself, and just gets into the storytelling part. They've taken all the fun of the storytelling and the playing, and they've automated the DM. So you can pick this up right out of the box and dive into the Adventure Zone Bureau of Balance universe and start immediately on a mission. And you just get to play as a reclaimer as if you're just like right there in the universe. So right out of the box, you see the, the manual that's right there on the top of the box that says, Reclaimers, the Bureau of Balance has a mission for your team. So gear up and get to the launch bay. Your team leader will give you the details, but you know what you signed up for. Some villain has gotten a hold of a powerful relic, and now the fate of the world is once again in our hands. Get down there, grab that relic, and when you get back, first round at the chug and squeeze is on the house. If you fail, well, there's always next time. We hope. 
signed the director. So you haven't even taken any of the pieces out and you're already being addressed in character. Mm -hmm. and you haven't even made your character yet. <laughs> so it's immersive and you just get to play in all of the fun and storytelling that brought people to this RPG space. And it just gets you right out the gate and doesn't let go until you're done. It's fantastic. So it's it's interesting because RPGs, they're shared storytelling. This is a, it's a cooperative game. This game was strange for me because it was, there's games that try to emulate role-playing games, like board games that try to do this. And so this was, a, this is another one of these board games that try to emulate role-playing games and none of them really worked for me. Like, but I think this one did. Uh, and it may have been because I was playing with you all and we we're all role players and it helped. Uh, but it was definitely, it was cool how it, how it blurred the lines there. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you then is obviously you have not buried the lead and I don't think I've buried the lead either that we did. We did enjoy this game a whole lot, but would you consider this game like a board game or an RPG? How do you class? Well, how would you classify this game? So I think the publishers did an incredible job in selling what it is because it's based on an RPG, but nowhere in the manual, on the box, nowhere in any published content does it say RPG. It says storytelling. It is a cooperative storytelling card game. Gotcha. The only reason there's a board is to make the, the decks easier to organize and the health and difficulty trackers easier to, to visualize by the people at the table. But this is not a board game. You are using decks of cards to prompt you through story events that you have to overcome and fill in the narrative in between. So it is a storytelling game and you get to create your characters that you would like to embody to tell the story. That is the point of the game and therein lies the fun. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the care. Let's talk about the characters then. How many characters come with the game? There are five classes and um, one of the little uh, tidbits on the inside of the manuals you actually can play it doesn't say it on the box but you can play up to six because you can have your hr rep be the dm basically if you want to have somebody be the team leader within the game and not play a character you can invite your sixth to okay. kind of be the team leader and not play but there are five classes your five classes are rogue warrior wizard, bard, and priest. So each one then, each of these classes then, they have different bonuses that they will grant for the resolution mechanic, which is rolling the, what do they call the dice? There's a special name for it. I can't remember. They call it the TAS-20. Okay, the TAS-20. So <laughs> what's the, so the conflict, the, the resolution mechanic then is that there's a challenge and then you have different bonuses on your character sheet and then you can ask for help from other players, and then you add all those scores up, you roll the dice, and if you succeed a number, or if you surpass a number, then you defeat that challenge? Yep, you defeat the challenge, and from that success, you then get to describe what happens. Frankly, you get to describe what happens whether you fail or succeed, but there are benefits to succeeding. But the person who defeats the challenge 
A, gets to keep the card, which has a loot value, which sends you shopping at the Fantasy Costco. Fantasy Costco. Um, but then you um, you get to describe what happens. Like, how does your player, or excuse me, how does your character accomplish this success? What happened? And building the story. I wanted to ask you then, because I actually... I, you're the, you got shipped the game from Together Studios and we, we did a stream of it and you can catch that video. Um, we'll make sure to include that in the show notes for this. Um, so you got to really deep dive into the book. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was, are there any, are there any like rules for the, the role playing side of this? Are there any like tips? Is there like, cause is there advantages to role playing the game or can you just play this game like straight up as a game? Well, I think, you know, it's as with any RPG, you get out of it what you put in, right? Yes. You could say, oh, well, the difficulty is a six. I rolled a seven. Sweet. Okay, next and moving on. But by by being the team leader, what you get, the the, the responsibility of the team leader is not just knowing the rules the best and just sort of being kind of the the prompter of like, okay, here's what happens next. Okay, now it's your turn, whatever. It's also that you get to sort of prompt the narrative and you are constantly kind of keeping everyone in character and reminding everyone to stay in the narrative and say like, oh my God, so how did that work? Or, oh, that was a, that didn't make the role. Okay, how bad did that go? What happened? How did you miss that? I thought that was your skill. You know, you can really kind of, the, the rule book keeps in various points in the different sections, like little bo- little inlay text boxes of like tips for when you're reading this rule or when it's this event or when it's this action, here's how to stay in the narrative. And so little prompts. And then there's a whole tips for team leaders. There's like an extra page of just how to keep your group in the narrative and keeping it fun for everyone. So it's, you don't want to put anybody on the spot saying like, no, you need to come up with a name. That wasn't good enough. That was not weird enough or whatever. Yeah. You, you don't have to put anybody on the spot. Nobody should be penalized for not wanting to contribute, but here's a way to prompt your group to to weave the story as you go. Yeah, it definitely felt, it definitely felt like we didn't need to do the role playing, but it felt like it was, it but I say that, but it also felt super integral to it. And it we I felt like we were getting a whole lot out of the game by role playing. And I definitely felt like you were our team leader and you were encouraging us to do that and giving us different prompts and whatnot. Uh, I would definitely use this game as for somebody who's never played role playing games because there is this whole there's dice and cards. So it doesn't feel as weird or you're not you're not necessarily uh, you don't necessarily experience like analysis paralysis like you do like with role playing games as a new player a lot of times. So I did like that a whole lot. One of the things that I did want to talk about though was the helping mechanic. Okay, so it's this whole idea of helping. All right, so the only reason I bring this up, all right, because. Uh, on all of our reviews, I'm like the one person who always has something bad to say. All right, so I got to, I got to keep it up. So I was playing the bard. All right, so I love being the center of attention. So it was great because everybody always wanted me to do stuff with them because the bard has this ability that basically I said earlier that you can help. 
All right. So technically, though, the way the helping works is that you can only help like once around. All right. You can't just continue to help everybody. Um, but the bard's a little bit different. The bard just gets to help whoever, like if, if they need help. And so I will say this. It felt weird, like the like there was no recharge mechanic there. And I will say near the end of the night, I was like, I was role playing a whole lot early on, like why you needed my help. And then near the end of the night, I was just like, I was definitely starting to to waver. So I will say this, playing the bard was exhausting. (laughs) I don't know if you've had a chance to, I don't know how many times have you guys, you guys have played it a few other times now, right? We've played it a couple times. Um, I will say this: they have. There's also a um, a tip in the book that says that um, the bard is the fifth player. So if you're playing with a group of less than five, you shouldn't play with the bard. Yes, because they are sort of that like team assist, you know, bonus, um, and that is that class's strength because that is what you that is what they're able to do is assist multiple times. Whereas each of the other classes can only assist once per round. So if the warrior helps on turn two and then the fourth player goes and the warrior's already helped, then they can't, they can't tag in, but there's always a plus one if you've got a bard with you. So that is as we saw often enough to put you over the yes. edge. It's definitely not a lot, but it's something. So you've played yeah. a few times. So do you have a favorite, uh, character or class that you like to play um i really like the warrior because that is what i played um the most um but i can definitely it's funny i feel like as you said you kind of got exhausted by the end of just like yeah i'll help yeah i'll help so it's like you were playing every turn you didn't have that kind of downtime in between when it wasn't your turn because every turn was your turn um but the rogue i think you have to be really on all the time because the rogue assist power is is so powerful it's plus three before the dice roll because uh, you get a different assist bonus if you agree to assist before or after the dice have already hit the table or the die rather has already hit the table mm-hmm. so there's an incentive to saying yes before you find out what the stakes are and so with the rogue being such a powerful assist you have to be cognizant of when you deploy that in the round because the stakes might get higher after the next card is flipped and so do you hold out or do you like go in guns blazing and then just as the cards shift just be like my hands are tied i can't that's right um so so with that said then one of the other things and we what's the replayability like on this then oh it's it's a brand new game every time you play i liken it to um sort of an amped up replayability to if you ever played small world Mm-hmm. Um, because the the class and race combos are different every turn, and so the abilities of the armies are completely different every single time you play. And so, because everything is shuffled. So with this, all of the villain, location, and relic decks are um, not only just different in theme, so the story ends up different, but mechanically they're designed to be completely different, and the combinations can make for a very different game. So depending on if you're playing like the train, which is you is a speed round basically because different actions can make cards turn. And as opposed to 
like what we did was we escaped the cave with the relic and just left the lich to just like live another day. But yeah. we relieved the lich of the relic and they just couldn't do any more damage and we just kind of left him in the dust. But with the train location, for instance, if you, whether you complete the deck or not, or excuse me, whether you complete the other two decks or not, if you complete the train deck, you reach the station and the game ends. Like that's when it ends. Right. And so okay. you can't just ignore that. <laughs> and so there's a time pressure. So that is that is an instance where that deck is designed to have a completely different rhythm when it comes to whatever that game is, um, independent of whatever villain and relic you choose. Um, some of the decks are random. So the instruction on those decks is to shuffle them. So the order will be completely different. And as you saw with ours, sometimes the order of like which cards follow which other ones makes a difference. And some of them, they are sequenced. Like it will say a number one, a number two, a number three, all the way to 10 for that deck. Was ours, when we were playing it, were we playing, we were, were was ours sequenced? When we played, both the Lich and the Cave are sequenced, where it says Cave 1, Cave 2, Cave 3, Lich 1, Lich 2, Lich 3. But the staff was random. Random. Okay, yeah, um, it got hard. Yes. <laughs> Which is okay, because we got these super cool cards. And I think this is, for me, what made the game so fun, was Fantasy Costco. So I love games that throw in a randomness to them like where you don't know what you're gonna get but it just like either changes rules or gives you new powers so tell us what is this what is the fantasy costco deck so the fantasy costco are your items your special items and the the deck is shuffled and you don't know what you're gonna get until it comes up so you get to each card is worth three loot so you have to complete challenges that add up to three. Most of the challenges have a one at the bottom, but some of the really beefy ones, as you saw some of the really difficult ones, say two. So as you defeat challenges, once you get up to three, that means you get to trade them in and go to Fantasy Costco and draw a card out of the top of the Fantasy Costco deck. So there's no, all of the Fantasy Costco cards are the same. So again, this is a, another stroke of brilliance about simplifying item acquisition. You don't have to like withhold, do I save up for the good one or do I get a bunch of really little ones? Like do I, mm, oh, it's yeah. just... You just acquire, get up to three, draw a card, get up to three, draw a card. Even if you have two cards worth two loot and you're up to four, you don't make change. And so it's just get up to three, get a card. And there's a hand maximum of two. And then you get to either um, draw down and discard or you get to give them to another player. So there's always sort of this free-flowing circulation of new stuff that you can use to your advantage and... You can play them pretty creatively, but it adds really fun kind of universe flavor because that's where I have found a lot of the fun jokes in universe come in, but they've done such an amazing job of making these items that are mainly usually references to in-game items um, and other McElroy references, like there's a haunted doll item, yes. which we never got to. <laughs> um there's, um, I mean, Rail Splitter is in there, Nitpicker is in there, um, and then there's, you know, Dragon Scale Armor, which is useful. So they they make the items that are in, in-universe references really approachable for, okay, there's an axe called Rail Splitter. That's just a really cool name for an axe. And so anybody who isn't familiar with the Adventure Zone can still 
put that to use without knowing, you know, there's no min-maxing in this kind of stuff. It's just play the thing with the plus whatever bonus. But it just, it just draws a smile across your face and you pull up the card that you recognize. You're like, oh my God, that's the thing. I have the thing. And that kind of feeling of specialty of like, I have this item in my hand that like I have listened to so many hours of like storytelling with that now this thing is mine to wield. It's great. So overall then, I would say that you should buy this game. Oh, 100%. So with that said then, was there any, did you have any, as we start to wrap up, did you have any other closing thoughts, things that you think that people should know about this game before they decide whether it's right for them or not? I think the thing to keep in mind is, and this is some of the criticism that I have read since the game has been released, is that people who listen to The Adventure Zone are usually either familiar with or fans of Dungeons and Dragons or or just RPGs in general. Don't go into it expecting an RPG. Yeah. But if you like RPGs and this is the aspect of RPGs that you like, this will be a game that you will just have a grand time with. This is the party game version of picking up in you know, Dungeons and Dragons at your dining room table with your friends or over Zoom with your friends. So you can easily pick it up with anyone for, I mean, it says 60 to 90 minutes, but again, if you, you can get out of it, whatever you put into it, if you make a meal out of it, you can play for three hours or more like we did. (laughs) But if, if you go into it expecting a super crunchy, oh, this is my chance to play Taz and get out your, you know, player's handbook, this is not the game. Like, this is not a full character. The character sheet is, it's got four stats on it, and they're not all applicable at the same time. This is little half sheets of character development, mainly in, like, the personality trait realm. And you get to do funny voices if you choose, and you get to tell a story. And the game sort of operates you mechanically through the process, but... It's the fun of the storytelling aspect of RPGs that is well, it's well crafted. It's the mechanics are super smooth and approachable. And it's fun for everyone who is familiar with RPGs or not, familiar with Taz or not. And it's just, it's like a bespoke RPG for whoever's playing. Because as I said, you get in, you get out of it, one day I'm going to say that right the first time. You get out of it what you put into it. So if you have timid players who are kind of into the, oh, I enjoy this fandom and so we're going to dabble in the space for a while, then you'll have a great time doing exactly that. If you're hardcore role players and you want to do funny voices and, you know, slam the table with your tankard and stand up in your dining room and swing your pretend axe and, you know, fight the villains and, you know, huzzah in success when you you know, get out of the whole experience, then it's great. Then it can do that too. It's so incredibly flexible as a platform for storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with everything you said. It's not, if you like RPGs, like this is a great game, especially if you don't get to play all the time because you don't necessarily have a group. This is a game that you can take to your board game group and they'll get they'll play it because the mechanics are simple, they're smooth, but they are still... They were the simple mechanics that are satisfying because there's they just work, they click. The randomness of the decks is great, and also like the randomness of the of the fantasy Costco items worked. They they were they, those were incredible. Uh, 
so yeah if you're into rpgs like this game is awesome to have uh and even if like you just want a story game such as they're wildly different but to me story cubes in this game like are in the same vein it's just it's like time to just tell a story with people and you have some dice and some very very loose mechanics to kind of guide you on that way so i definitely i had a whole lot of fun with this so uh with that said uh tiffany Thank you for thank you for uh, joining me tonight and really really driving us to play this game and give it a go. We couldn't have done this without you. I'm really happy to do it. I'm so glad that we were able to get our hands on this copy. Thank you to Keith. Thank you to Jen. And uh, I I recommend that anybody who is lucky enough to get their hands on it, uh, give it a go with their friends. Um, as as you can see from our stream that we'll link. Here, the uh, the game is really easily playable over Zoom. So only one person needs a copy of the game. And uh, in the review that you'll find on the RPG Academy website as well um, that I posted, the uh, character sheets are all available digitally. So what you can do is email your friends the character sheets. They can work on their characters ahead of time. And the one person who has a physical copy of the game can just set up their camera and you can play locally. So there's no excuse not to play this game. So get your hands on a copy and go for it. So uh, with that all said, uh, I will close us out um, as always. So folks, do not forget, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks, and remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.